down in front. These sunglasses, they're really nice. Are they government issued or do all you guys go like to the same store to get them? Midnight Run. Welcome to Old Fogies and Films. Each episode, the members of this panel take turns assigning a film to watch and discuss. We have... Fahad. Eric. Dolly. Zakia. And me, Ruth. This episode... We're feeling the thrill of the chase with 1988's Midnight Run. This movie features Robert De Niro as a cynical ex-cop. He wants to take one last easy bounty hunter assignment so he can retire and open a coffee shop. But his target is an embezzling accountant with a heart of gold, Charles Grodin, with unfortunate ties to the Chicago crime boss that ruined his life. In the end, De Niro's character finds resolution, renewed trust, and an uneasy respect for the criminal he's nearly died to drag back to L.A. Well, overall, the movie, um, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was funny with the, um, it had some funny and some intense moments too. So, um, yeah, sometimes I felt like it was kind of a little bit too long. But um, I like the aspect of it because basically you've got a guy that's overall good for the um the duke and then you've got um de niro which his character on um, jack is good as well but um they kind of get caught up with the mobsters unfortunately it ends up being jimmy which is uh someone who they have both had to deal with but um even with um charles grodin's character being taken by De Niro he uh is still an overall good guy the only real problem <laughs> at first he has is that I thought he was great on the plane when he was trying to get out of it because he caught um so he could get free he got completely um had a complete like meltdown and everything like that and so that helped him a little bit in the beginning um <laughs> to try to be able to you know be able to be released and not be caught um just just a question on that just for everybody when he said he had that extreme fear of flying and then he had the meltdown on the plane did everybody um believe him when they saw that were you believing like oh he really is scared of planes or did you think he was acting yeah i thought he i believed him because he's already neurotic so i thought oh sure yeah i totally believed it I'm afraid of flying, and that is like exactly how I feel when he was like, "Oh, get me out of here." That's exactly <laughs> what I feel. What as soon as the plane like starts taxiing, I'm like, "All right, get me out of here. I'm out." Did so it give I everybody? Did it give everybody the feels seeing like the staircase and the plane like back in the old days? Yeah, and you could still order yeah. drinks and food on the plane too. <laughs> I Those are- yeah. It made me think, though. I, I get sort of um, annoyed in films sometimes because. It seems like uh, in, in a film, every real person is also a really good actor because you see it a lot where somebody has to like fool somebody and they're really good at it. It's like, I think most real people wouldn't be that good at fooling people. Like he put on a little show and it's like, okay, what, what he's like a trained actor or something, the, the fictional yeah. character. Because <laughs> he did a very good job of it. He looked like he got really manic and sort of like <laughs> overcome. 
Oh, and say the plane. Don't the planes is this like it now with the stairs? Or no, no, they don't have them. I, I, I don't believe there. I don't know. There could be some still with that. But back in the day, like the stairs would take you up to business class. Oh, okay. Um, it's just because back when you know we were kids, uh, we'd go to Pakistan often. So a lot of those international planes had like the business class on the uh, second story of the plane. So you had these stairs that would go up there. We were always in coach, but. You know, oh, when you're say, on did you take the business class? <laughs> um, I've, I've seen it like once we flew and I think it was with like friends of the family. And I think like the father was in business class. I think we went up to like look at it. It's gross, though, because back then it was a free for all for smoking. Yeah. Uh, so like it's covered in smoke and all. Um, but I mean, the first class was still on the regular floor. Like that's where they were sitting was in first class um in this movie but uh it was just fun to see like you know planes from back then because I, I really don't know if there are any that have stairs to a business I thought some international when they go like overseas like they, they have a little sleeping sleeping compartment one and then upstairs is like the yeah, maybe maybe they still have some with stairs yeah. i don't know I flew business i flew business class um three years ago and it was um sorry i know i was on korean air and then oh, i guess indonesian plane uh and then uh, <laughs> But um, and I don't, but I don't remember a staircase. But business class did, you know. I I had a sleeping pod, but it was just in the as far as I could tell, the same level as everyone else. Yeah, that's what I've seen in recent years too. Yeah. And I don't know if there was a separate first class. I feel like maybe it was just conflated. Mm. I was gonna say, Shelly, did make me think. Obviously, not to that degree. I remember how you telling me how terrified you were of flying. So it kind of made me think of you in that respect. But I know you wouldn't have freaked out like that. But. <laughs> I might. <laughs> we were flying. We were flying. Sorry to interrupt the story about myself, but we were flying back from Germany and the plane like started dumping fuel and they didn't tell us why. And you know, you have that screen in front of you that you, well, the plane had turned around and I didn't know why. And the first time I, I was freaking out, I was like, why are they? I looked outside, you could see the fuel dumping. I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? So ever um. since then, I have completely panicked on flying. Do you think Even it was they a make announcements and it's all in German and I don't speak German? <laughs> yeah, I would have freaked out. <laughs> I kept hitting the flight attendant button. Are you sure we're okay? And I'm sure that they thought I was. And she insane. was she was dripping sweat and she said very nervously, "Yes, everything is fine." I, I know. <laughs> and I thought, well, would she tell me if everything's okay? And then she passed you a microfiche. <laughs> that Americans freaking out. <laughs> Do you think they call it skyjacking? Because in a plane, hijacking is not high enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, Ruth. Who's Sorry. Uh, that's okay. who, who would you like to go first? Um, how about Charlotte? Oh yay! Okay, so. I enjoyed this movie. Um, it wasn't my favorite ever, but I enjoyed it. Um, it definitely followed that like 80s formula. It was like very, a very, very 80s movie. The music, the actors, the story, everything about it was 80s. So it was kind of cool to take a trip back to the 1980s when we were all small children. <laughs> uh, I liked the actor. Love Charles Grodin, loved Robert De Niro, love um, Joey Pants. What, what, who, what was his character? Jimmy? Wait, do you mean uh, the mob, the mob boss, or do you mean um, yeah. 
his uh yes uh, so the guy that was caught kept calling him the bail bonds the hair the joe pantoliano eddie eddie Joey, that's what I was like, um, Joey Pants, that's adorable. <laughs> um, I love him. The character's he, name is Eddie. He, Eddie. Um, so I liked the story. I liked the the friendship tale, like the, these two men becoming great friends from, um, so that's my overall spiel. I liked it. 80s. Anyone else want to go? Yes, but who does Ruth want to call on? Oh. <laughs> um, how about Eric? Oh, cool. Is it because I spoke up? I was <laughs> like, I see a pattern. Shelly had said the last word and Ruth picked Shelly. This time Eric said the last word. And this, this works in society too. The people who stand up and speak up are the ones who usually get opportunities. Okay, so I was comfortable sitting through this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't say that I super like, it made almost no impression on me whatsoever. I, I, I definitely don't agree with a, I think it's a 94% Rotten Tomatoes. I don't see how it can be that high. Um, or I, I think it got a Golden Globe nomination too, s -s -s some stuff like that. I don't understand why that is. I think that may have just been on the power of Robert De Niro because he really was like, you know, this was the height of his career. Um, and, uh, apparently he, you know, he had been doing, you know, a lot of very intense roles up until now and wanted to, to do this because it would be a little bit lighter and maybe he could do some comedy and he's done a lot of comedy since, I mean, like meet the Fockers and stuff like that. So, um, it seems like, you know, it's fun to see him be playful, but he wasn't playful enough in this for me. And I, I didn't, I really didn't feel much chemistry between him and Charles Grodin. I wanted to like it so much because I love Charles Grodin. I have, I'll, I'll, I'll totally admit I've never been a Robert De Niro fan. I, I feel like he's really overrated. And so it just, the attention that he gets bothers me a lot. Um, and so the movie, I, I don't know, it just, it, it felt very low energy to me the whole time. Like it, it wasn't as, inten as intense or it wasn't as wacky as I thought it would be. It was like a standard cat and mouse kind of tale. And I thought it would get really crazy because um, I've seen similar movies to this. And I, so I was looking forward to that kind of, you know, like a planes, trains and automobile kind of, you know, just one mishap of a, after another. Can you believe this is our life? What is happening? Um, but I didn't really get much of that. Um, what else? So I, I do like the way it ended, though. When, when we get to the climax um, with De Niro and the. I mean, I can use his character name, Jack Walsh, with Walsh and the FBI agents planning the sting in the airports, uh, and then his final scene with um, D the Duke. I, I enjoyed that, but it's still, I don't know, it didn't have the punch that I wanted. And there are a lot of other reasons why I don't know why it's so highly rated. I mean, if, you know, he's got this backstory, like this trouble in Chicago and estranged from his family, but that's not really sort of integrated into the story in, in a meaningful emotional way so it's kind of like okay so he's got a backstory cool but you know it, there's it doesn't really I don't know uh, get me it doesn't pull up my heartstrings very hard to be honest so which means I can't really care too much about him about whether he succeeds mm -hmm. or not I did find the one one thing I did find interesting was the moral dilemma presented by the movie which is, you know, on the one hand, you've got laws that say certain things are a crime. Uh, but, but on the other hand, sometimes you do 
but the wrong things, the illegal things for really good reasons. So like the Duke stole $15 million from somebody, but he stole it from a mob boss and he gave the majority of it to charity. So is he, is he really a bad guy? And should he really be taken in just because he's technically a criminal? Um, and they have a little bit of a conversation about that, like, because uh, another aspect of it is he keeps trying to impress upon Jack about, onto Walsh the fact that Jack thinks he's doing the right thing because he is technically a criminal, so he's bringing him back in. But Jack also knows for a fact that once he brings him in, he will be killed. So doesn't that make Jack a worse person because he's taking someone to their death? And I, I've heard this moral dilemma, like I was going to bring up the good place, Fahad, because they talk about this in there. Like if you know the direct result of something you do, which may seem benign when you're doing it, will be something really terrible, aren't you responsible for that? Because some people want to wash their hands and say, hey, I just did what I was supposed to do. I didn't know what was going to, I can't, you know, I can't be responsible for what happens after. I'm just doing what is, you know, the, you know, the right thing in this moment. Uh, but, you know, I think that, yeah, if, if you know someone's going to die when you bring them back to, to the, to law enforcement uh, or to a certain city or whatever, then, then I think that is on you. So, so I was happy he let him go at the end. Uh, but he, I mean, first he fixed the problem so that I assume everyone was arrested in the sting who could have hurt either of their families or them. <laughs> Hopefully there's no one left in that criminal organization who will say, oh, on behalf of them, I will avenge by murdering your wives and children. Um, so yeah, so that's, those are my general thoughts and some of my issues and, and, um, and things. Yeah. I also was going to say, um, with, um, De Niro, Jack, um, how he was like, okay, I'm going to just think of us just as like a, a business transaction where he's like, okay, I'm going to get this guy and get a lot of money before he gets, well, besides even the fact that he was doing something that the Duke was doing something good that he didn't get to know him as like, um, he didn't humane it or get to know him as a person and realize how great of a guy he was. And he was really able just to like, bring more of the good side out of De Niro because before he wouldn't open up at all and he was able to open him up more and kind of you know stuff like that and be like realizing yeah by the end like what's the really good thing to do you know the right thing to do yeah prioritizing I guess your morality <laughs> right <laughs> okay I forget sorry go ahead <laughs> no I was just gonna say before I forget kind of to piggyback on what Eric was saying. Um, I, I hated, I, I really hated when he went to visit his ex-wife and he saw his daughter and she, that, it didn't mean, I like what you were saying, it didn't mean anything. Um, he hadn't seen his daughter in nine years and it just was like- Is he even her daughter then? And then that was it. That, they never kind of circled back around to it. Was he gonna go? Right. My daughter, he hadn't. Why did why on earth would she run out and give him money? Yeah. She has been <laughs> she was supposed to be in eighth grade, so she was like four, 13, 14. Yeah. So how much For can nine, she really remember him? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so he shows up and gives her a hug and she's gonna run. It didn't make any sense. And and you would think that the wife of a police chief or captain or whatever she whatever her husband would give him her yeah. car like how is she going to 
I know. It just was. Yeah. And she was like, we'll figure it out when you get to LA. It was like, by what? Telling your your captain cop husband that, oh, my car's in LA now? Sorry. Like, no. <laughs> it reminded me of the game when she just hands over her car keys. Oh, and I was like, that's too easy. And then you find out, oh, well, they asked her to facilitate him. And I thought, oh, maybe she's part of the, the game for Robert De Niro. And she's just supposed to give him car and money. <laughs> and wouldn't the little boy tell his father like oh mommy's car is gay. she gave it because she told her, him the little boy that, that he was ex-husband oh yeah oh yeah that little boy seemed like the her. type that would just blurt it out right like mommy gave your car away today yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so sorry go uh, next next person no you're good okay Fahad. um sure so, I mean, I didn't hate the movie. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But I mean, I, I liked it overall. I, I thought there were moments that were enjoyable. Um, I think, like Shelley said, it's a, a very typical 80s movie where, you know, it really focuses on like this one character who really gets into the real like storyline and everything. Um, but there's a lot of 80s aspects throughout this movie. Um, at, at, at uh, times it was weird because I would forget that that's Robert De Niro just because I'm so used to how he looks now. So it was <laughs> odd to see him like younger looking. Um, but there were some moments that I found that were actually really funny. Um, just like how he would always use uh, the Alonzo Mosley FBI agent's name everywhere. And then Alonzo Mosley would show up and they're like, oh yeah, FBI agent Mosley came and already did this. And he's like, I'm Alonzo Mosley. <laughs> Yeah. And it was like a running gag throughout the movie. And I really appreciated that. Um, I found that was funny. Um, I think the other uh, guy, like Jack's enemy, uh, Marvin, the other one who was also trying to collect the bounty, um, yeah. just that whole aspect of it was funny. And I love, I, that. I love that running gag too. Marvin! And then punch. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the one moment he really needed to look behind him at the end, he wasn't yeah. looking behind him and that moment when he's running up behind them i was getting so angry i'm like do not mess this up do not mess this up. so i was getting invested at times um yeah. but i can see eric where you were hoping for something more wacky like you know those typical buddy cop type movie things where it's like two completely different people have to you know run away and go away from the enemy and all these wacky things ensue like the moment where um Charles Grodin's character, Jonathan, uh, the Duke, fell into the the lake, river, river, I guess, um, and the helicopter's circling around, and Jack takes the gun and shoots the helicopter. I was like, well, in a funny, wacky, like, cop, uh, buddy movie, sorry, a funny, wacky, buddy movie, what would have happened was it would have been the Duke, um, like, trying to save Jack, who's in the water, and he has the gun, and he has to try to shoot at the helicopter, and Jack's like, oh, just aim at this, and it'll take it off course, but he accidentally shoots it and blows it up. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> what actually happened with Jack actually aiming exactly where he wanted to do and blowing it up, that's just mean. I know they were trying to kill him, but he just killed those people. And I, I just want to remark about how spectacularly that helicopter blew up. There was nothing left. Yeah. The copter or the people. I was like, oh my God, that would be just disintegrated on the side of the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so there were there were definitely some funny moments. Um, but I agree there were also moments where it just made you question, like, what? Like, you know, when he went when Jack went to visit his ex-wife and daughter, like I was wondering that too. I was trying to do the math and I was like, she had to have been like two or three when he 
last saw her. Well, she was in eighth grade, so she was yeah. 14, probably 13, 14. Oh, I would have thought like she's if in eighth grade was like oh, like 12, but I guess that's not. Uh, that's not right. So she's like, thir- she's 13, probably. She still would have only, she still would she's have still only- like four. She still has no real connection to him at all. So like Shelly was saying when, uh, I agree with her, with you, Shelly, when the girl ran out to give the money, I was like, well, why? Like, you you don't know this guy. Unless like the mom this entire time has been keeping her daughter up to date on him and telling stories and really keeping some kind of a connection. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why she would, but that's the yeah. only reason I can think that the daughter would offer her all her babysitting money, which was almost enough money that he needed. Like, you know, that was almost yeah. the answer to the issue he was having. Um, also, also, uh, we never found out what was their most important night that the family was about to have, right? I like they were going to reveal something to us like, oh, well, uh, our anniversary or your daughter's, I don't know, achieving something. But I don't think they ever said. I, I assumed it was something important for the father's job, like he was being commemorated for something. I don't know. But why mention it if you're not going to tell us what that is and, and if it has no like impact on Walsh at all? Maybe it'll come up during another Midnight Run, the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Because um, there is. Apparently there's made, there were two made-for-TV sequels. Three. Three. Oh, three made-for-TV sequels. Oh. Not the same cast, but same character um, of Jack Walsh. Oh, okay. Well, Which... What okay, so he left the Chicago Police Department because the entire police department was corrupt. Well, they explain later I didn't... he um oh they stashed heroin in his in mm-hmm. his locker or, or his place or something, and then told him either you go on the take or you go to jail for the heroin or you just get out of town. I don't know why they gave him the option to get out of town. So I think that's why he moved to LA was because the other two options weren't appropriate. You know, he didn't want to do those, go to jail or go on the take in Chicago. So he's just like, fine, I'll go to LA. So he couldn't take his wife and daughter? That's a good question. Like, did you <laughs> leave him because he was too good of a person? I mean, yeah. I don't what the hell? Or did she not believe him? Did she think he was actually stealing drugs? Which is makes her a horrible person. She just stayed and got married to the police chief. I also wanted to find out for sure uh, because uh, Walsh kept implying that her husband was probably on the take. I wanted to know right. for sure, like, is he? Because why is the wife with him if if that's the case? Yeah. They also did not follow up on that. That's bothersome. I hate this movie. You, you what? I said it makes, now that make now thinking about it, that makes me hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so random how they incorporate, yeah, like with his ex-wife and his kids, like, they should have made it more um what's the word more compassionate and more of like you really feel for them instead of it just being like oh i just stopped by to borrow some money and you borrow your car yeah but that's I'm the only sure. reason they were thrown in there is just to keep them moving along. he hates his wife because she's an idiot like she should have <laughs> gone with him <laughs> i don't blame uh, um but yeah, so that was my overall take. I, I, there were moments that I did enjoy, like the running gags that were coming through. Um, Charles Grodin's freak out in the airplane was great because, like we talked about earlier, made us all believe. Like, and then when, and then when he's actually in the the little helicopter, like or little plane or whatever, ready yeah. to take off, and he's piloting, and I was like, "What a little liar!" You know, yeah. not only is he okay flying, he knows how to fly a plane. 
<laughs> like let's add insult to industry industry insult to injury um, and then on top of it though he then grabs him out of the plane and leaves the plane to keep on moving forward to like wreck these people's like work you know and then steals their car and he actually broke the law a few times just trying to get this guy back to LA and I was like well why is it okay for you to be stealing from people and yeah. holding them at gunpoint to take their trucks uh, but it's not okay for this guy to steal $15 million from a mob boss. But let's also not forget the fact that Charles Grodin can't be so upset that he might die if he even if he goes into jail because what he did was so risky. He knew, like, I mean, you don't just go steal from a mob boss and expect to get away. And even if you're caught by the police, you're not going to get away from that. So, I mean, I, I with what you were saying earlier, I agree, like, Jack shouldn't just hand him over knowing that he could die, but um, the Duke took on that risk by stealing that much money from a mob boss. Like, you were already taking on that risk. But yeah, but he, I think he has a fair, um, fair reason to hope that a private citizen, which Walsh is, he's not a cop anymore, he just does bounty hunter work. He has a fair reason to, to, to believe that a private citizen might not uh, put his life in danger or turn him in. Like if the cops find him or the FBI find him, fine. They have a job to do uh, that's mm -hmm. official and authority and they just kind of have to do it. So if they run into him, they're going to take him in. But, but you know, Jack is choosing to do this. And, and I'm sure, you know, um, Duke had some other people who helped him kind of go into hiding and, and make this escape so that he wouldn't be found. And, you know. Yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying he shouldn't be yeah. surprised or mad if somebody were to turn him in because- he did it knowing it was such a huge risk. Yeah, I don't He's a smart he was, guy. I don't think he was that mad, though. He just tried to convince... Like, he never blew up and said, and screamed, oh, my God, I'm going to die. You can't do this. He oh, was just trying to but, explain to him. Like, he knew that he put himself in that position, but but why does this person need to to do this to him? Because he, he wants to get paid. Yeah. Well, it was also funny, too, how... Um... So with that whole synopsis with the airplane with Jack and then how he handled it and then how Marvin handled it when he was like, I'm afraid. And then he just knocked him out. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's okay. You know, whatever. I actually really liked Marvin's character. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, because he, he screamed everything. I think he may have had Tourette's or something. It was just, he would just scream obscenities at people. He's always loud and, and he's like, you know, fuck you. And, <laughs> I found that very funny to watch. Um, but anyway, I, I think Takia hasn't gone yet, right? Before we yeah. like keep Takiya. going. <laughs> All right, Takia. Yes. Um, I like the 80s feel of the movie, especially with the um the cop cars that had little spinning, what you call it, little spinning um, I don't know, it's a globe, you know, the little A's globe on top of the car that um yes, yeah, so I, I like I liked everything down to Oh, yeah. you mean the, the siren light? Yeah, the siren, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> old school one that looks like a, a globe or something, like a snow globe, yeah. So um, uh, I like that. I like the um, Robin Nears character. Actually, I, uh, I I can understand his star power because, you know, he, he is one of the A-list actors and whatnot. So I can see why he was a big deal back then, even now. Like, when you guys, was, when you were saying that, that he was, he's not as, um, you don't see him as, I guess like, people may fall for him too much, but because you know, because I've seen I've seen a lot of his other movies, and in, in, um, in terms of like his acting is pretty is really good, especially some of this and some of the. He, I think he was in um, Cape Fear. Was that him? Cape Fear. Are you talking about De Niro right now? De Niro, yeah, yeah. I, no, think, was, uh, I think he was in Cape Fear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. 
array of his acting. So that's why I, I was kind of you know excited to see him. And, and um, yeah, I like the hardened cop turned soft heart, soft and soft and heart of gold theme. Cause he's, you know, hardened by, you know, just, you know, he, like he comes up as kind of someone abr abrasive and, and um, yeah, rude and abrasive. And whereas like the, the, the guy that he captured which was do Marcus? Am I pronouncing it right? Marcus. Marducus. The dude. Marducus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Marducus. Um, he's supposed to be the villain, and you think he'd be bad, you know, mean and whatnot. He actually turned out to be nice and want uh, and um, calm, and not as you know, he didn't he didn't come across as the typical evil villain that we captured that he captured, thinking that he was gonna. But he 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 wanted to get to know um, to get to know Jack Walsh and um, yeah let like kind of let you know let let me into your life in a way you know let let me like talk you know get on a personal level which they did of course in the end so I kind of I like that um, it was like the bad guy was was good and the good guy in this case Jack Walsh was was um, rough around the edges so yeah where usually the the, the cop is usually good but yeah. He's good, but um, just as a rough around the edges. So I, I like I like that. I like their thing, their dynamic in the movie. So I didn't feel like it was um, Golden Globe really worthy either. I, I saw I got a Golden Globe for best motion picture. Um, it it picture? Or was it just nominated? It barely got a Golden Globe. Um, it I won or was nominated? Uh, what was it again? Hold on, let me look. I can look really quickly here. Um, oh, wait, I just had it. Okay, one second here. Uh, let's see. Oh, you're okay. You're right. Okay, it was nominated. Okay, um, but still, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I it, it didn't pull me in as a Golden Globe movie. I've seen plenty of those, and oh yeah, this this deserves this award. This this it gets this that's award. I, I didn't feel this movie got deserved of, of a, such a high award, but it was a good movie nonetheless. I, I it was so kind of feel good movie had its a good action, um, especially yeah, the water part, um, the stuff in the airport, that was really good. So that's my take on it, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, I liked it too, but I, I don't, with uh, the Golden Gold nomination thing too, I, I didn't see that, but I, I did like the movie though, but. Um... I, it sounds like we all agree that in total, it wasn't a great movie. Um, but there were, but it was full of little moments that we kind of all enjoyed. So I would be curious what your favorite little moments are, and I'll, I'll I can start by saying I think my favorite joke in the movie was when they're on the train, and um, and uh, the Duke says he's trying to get Jack to open up and talk to him, which I think is good because it's the uh, I think his his uh, his um, not I can't think of the word his uh, his goal here is is to ingratiate himself to Jack because it's harder to endanger somebody that you know and care about you know it's sort of like if you if you if you name an animal and then it's killed it's much harder for you to deal with because now it's like a pet or something that you care about um so when they're on the train and he said and, and Jack is sort of like not responding and he says Jack uh have you ever had sex with an animal because there were some uh pretty good looking chickens on that farm <laughs> <laughs> and then Jack's and then Jack like he he tries to resist it but then he breaks a smile and he says yeah I think I would have given it to a few of them <laughs> and that is first of all unexpected and very very funny and it's good to see him like get through the the tough exterior and get him to like you know 
and talk to him a little. Mm -hmm. So anyone else have the little moments where you thought like this, this was a great little moment. I already mentioned uh, mine about the, uh, just, just the, the one joke about Alonzo Mosley. I just really all the way through, but before we go into other favorite moments, speaking of Alonzo Mosley, uh, did anybody recognize that actor who played the FBI agent, the lead guy? I recognize his name, but I didn't know. No, the minute I saw him, I was like, that is Doc from Nightmare on Elm Street 6. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I know that. And Freddy's dead. You know, he's one of the ones who is, is in the, who helps with the home for the, like, bad kids. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah, the minute I saw him, I was like, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So I looked it up. I was like, yep, that's him. <laughs> so cool. Maybe that's why I So this movie had at least one real star. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> yep. Um, so who, anybody else with funny moments that they really enjoyed? Um, Favorite little moments, go. I liked how, oh. uh, I only thought of one little synopsis so far that um, De Niro did the little funny thing with uh, with Alonzo and left his sunglasses on the, <laughs> on the oh, studio okay. for- I thought that yes. was too. Yeah. I love that. He left his sunglasses and then they kind of, at the beginning and then, yes. I liked that. I liked all of those. There were lots of those now that you think about it. Yeah. And um, I agree. I I liked, I get the, their, their relationship in my, I, when it started to turn, when they were talking on the bus, um, he was just trying to get him to talk about his daughter and his wife. So, um, yeah, I liked those moments. The um, where he's trying to Open get up. him to humanized. Yeah, yeah. Or get Jack to humanize him. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good description of it. Of he's a very yeah. smart guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it works in the end. So, <laughs> and the plane when he's running after the plane, I kept thinking, there is no way he could catch up. He can't run as fast as a plane. That guy would know. Yeah, I thought the opposite. I thought the plane was going slow enough. I'm like, why isn't he catching up to it faster? He should be able to. Come on, Ruth, Shelly, and I, we could have done it in our cross-country days. <laughs> that, was, that was a specific little moment I liked, too, was is exactly, uh, specifically, the shot where he, uh, Jack first sees him in the plane, because Charles Grodin is looking over sh his shoulder with that shit-eating grin, like, Yep, I'm in a plane. I'm getting away. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, how how you how did you get this far? You're in a plane and you still don't get away from him. <laughs> Fail. I have a question. What do you all think he did um, when he left at the end? Groden character. The dude. Like he gets away. He's he turns around and he's gone. Where did he go? Hmm. Do you think he got right right on a plane immediately? Did he have another money belt where he just had an extra? Oh, and he cool. had that money all along. He yeah. <laughs> Every time they needed it, he's had that even, all even along. Even they stole money from that bar with the counterfeit yeah. scheme. Yeah. Even though he was hungry at the diner and really wanted the food there, he didn't yeah. mention, I have all this money on me. I was speaking of the money with the um, dinero getting, and it said 10, didn't it say 10,000 on the on the um, bill or something like that? Those are thousand dollar bills. One thousand bills, yeah. A thousand dollar bills. Yeah, because he asks the cab driver, um, 
can you break a thousand? You know? For a thousand? And he's like, all right, guess I'm walking. I, I thought it was weird that he landed in LA, but the first cabbie he meets outside has, I think, like a New York accent. I was like, are all cab drivers just New York by default? <laughs> also, like, when the cab driver, you crazy? Well, the, yeah, exactly. When the cab driver basically said no, you know, is what's Jack just, is he going to walk now? Like, the way he reacted was like, oh, oh, well, guess I'll just walk home. Yeah. <laughs> you can get on the phone and hire a limo, and I'm sure they'll break a thousand. So, is the Duke because they, they said he would be mm -hmm. so is he just like done now? He's not going to be in trouble for anything. Um, that was a good question too that they didn't follow up on. I, I was trying to interpret I, I, that maybe the deal that Walsh made with the FBI was that uh, Walsh would get uh that part of the deal was walsh would get duke back in his custody so he could take him to to where he was supposed to in la and turn him in there but now he's going to make up something with the fbi and say oh well i lost him when i was trying to take him back so sorry he's on the run again you know and, and just you know lie about it because yeah. i don't think the fbi would just let him they have to do their proper you know, processing of everything and maybe even yeah. get to, um get on the stand and testify against uh joe jimmy um, but but Shelly, to your earlier question to the group as to where we think Duke went right after when he left, um, that's a good point about did he have more money? Because I don't think he would just give all the money he had on him um, yeah, to no. Jack because he needs to, a getaway plan of some some sort. And people who are in that kind of a situation, they probably have a few getaway plans kind of already thought through. Um, so I'm sure he's probably just going to end. Like he probably said something to his wife before he got abducted or by Jack saying, hey, if by any chance I get abducted and I find a way to get out, let's make this our rendezvous point. Let's meet here at some point. Go there, stay there, I'll meet you there. So maybe that's what he's doing is finding his way to whatever meeting point they agree to. Yeah. And I would hope it's out of the country. I think he yeah. just needs to leave the US. I feel like it was easier to get away. Yeah, I feel like it's easier to run away back then than it is now. <laughs> well, it's probably easier to get on a plane. I, was, I couldn't believe like the there's plane, guns and cigarettes in this airport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I liked the the guy was smoking the cigarette and he was trying to book the plane ticket and the guy was like, think? "Not." And he's like, "What do you think?" Cigarette <laughs> out of his mouth. Another great. <laughs> <one>. Yeah. <laughs> so my oh. next. So Jack, what Jack was doing for his job as a bounty hunter, that was not illegal in itself. See, that's what confuses me. I'm pretty sure you still have to follow, you know, the rule of law. So, I mean, he, I think he started out breaking the law by breaking into that house to find the Duke. And right. so, I mean, I, I don't know. I think they, they still have to follow the law, but I guess he doesn't get taken in for it or something. Like nobody asks I was gonna say, they don't ask questions as to how you got the person. They just know you got the person. Maybe, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like if he were caught breaking into the guy's house, he could be arrested, sure. But they're not gonna ask him, hey, did you break into somebody's house to get the guy? They're just gonna be like, oh, you got the guy, great. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind, we're not gonna question this. And I think, you know, probably police and all, I, don't, I wouldn't say they appreciate bounty hunters, but they probably like the fact that they can get the bad guys by means that the cops aren't allowed to. Yeah. Because, because this is also across state lines. Right. So, so like which cops. is why the FBI are trying to get him first. Yeah. It's kind of like those um, To Catch a Predator shows, you know, on NBC. 
it's not the cops that are um, doing the talking to the, the bad guys online. It's like some kind of a vigilante group that is doing the posing, all of that. The cops are just there once the person does the illegal activity of going into the house to solicit whatever, then the cops can act. But they're not the ones actually um, falsely acting as a minor entrapment. They're not doing entrapment themselves, but they are knowingly going in with these people who are doing the entrapment, but they're not doing it because they're not allowed to. Plausible deniability. Well, yeah. They'll capture the person right away. Yeah, so the same thing here with the bounty hunters. It's like they can do whatever means they can to get the people that the cops can't do. Hey, I want to go back to um, when they were being on each other for trust. Um, that was kind of interesting as well because both of them didn't trust each other because one had captured the other, of course. Jack Walsh had captured um, John. Um, but there are points where uh, John needed his help in terms of getting out the water. And then... Um, What's the other one where he, uh... oh, see, can I trust, maybe it was just one an instant. And that there was Wait twice where he asked him, he had to save him and he said, will you let me go? He says, yeah. yes. And well, so... the, the second so time it was, all... was getting on the train, which wasn't really saving his life, but just helping, helping him up. Ah, so it was, it was two times. Okay, and then um, it's funny how they were both like, but he didn't get him on the train. Say, he didn't help him on the train, though. Yeah. That was broken. No, because, because Jack said no. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not going to let you go. Yeah, and they, they came up on there. Yeah. yeah. But it was interesting. What did you guys think was going to happen there? That he was going to believe him? Uh, would he pull him out of Lake? That he, did you think, did you think um, the Duke was going to believe him that he was going to let him go? Or, I think the Duke, no matter what, was going to pull Jack out of the water because he's a good yeah. guy. Yeah. He's not yeah. going to okay. Jack drown, yeah. but he at least was like, I might as well try. I might as well ask. Cause. But I think he believed Jack when Jack said, yes, he would, because it's kind of like, well, I have saved your life now. I'm asking you to save mine. And, and but Jack was unmoved by that. So I, I don't know. Took him a while to come around. Yeah. They both had the trust issues there because, you know, one's trying to take the other one in for money. Well, they don't so even know each other. So there's no built-in trust. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's, it's funny how like, one, you know, at one but they point, both have experience with Jimmy Serrano. So you'd think they'd come to an understanding, like, you know, we're on the same side, but at that moment in the river, I was, I also, I don't know if anyone else did, but I kind of thought that Jack was just fooling about needing help up to make sure that um, because he knew that Duke was a good person and he didn't want Duke to run away. And he knew Duke wouldn't run away if he really thought Walsh was going to die. So he's like, no, oh no, help me, I need help. Because um, I wondered like, is he really, couldn't he have pulled himself up from there? Maybe he's just fooling to make sure Duke doesn't, because Duke could have gotten away at that point. He could have just started running and hid somewhere in the mountains and then he's gone and, and Jack never finds him. Yeah, that's true. There but was he, a lot of lying and deceit in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So as far as the bail bonders go, the um, uh, I'm trying to think, was that one guy the only one that was really like the corrupt or quote unquote mole that would um, that gave all the info and the other guy, well, not to say that he was completely honest because he didn't want to pay Jack his full amount in the first place for his first bond, but was Stanley the more quote unquote honest one compared to the other guy? 
He was, but can you can you guys help me remember? I, I'm I'm I couldn't remember why Eddie needed Jack to find this guy in the first place and bring and bring him to LA. So Eddie bailed uh, the Duke out. Like he's the one who put up the money. Okay. Uh, and then the Duke, you know, would have and then to. He, lose, have he loses money. that money if the guy doesn't attend yeah. court. Yeah, right? he would lose that money. But if Jack, you know, then goes back, you know, owes him the money, so he would make money off of him. Okay. And now I get it. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Could not remember what his t- tie was to, to the situation. So it must have been a ton of money if he was going to give him a hundred grand. Four hundred thousand that he, I think, wasn't it? I think it was four hundred thousand dollars. Was the four hundred fifty thousand according to Wikipedia? Okay, yeah, it was the bond that he paid uh, for the bail that he paid for uh, the Duke to get out, so he would lose all of that money. So it's either lose four hundred and fifty thousand or just lose a hundred thousand by paying that to Jack. Yeah. So did you guys? Um, notice in the credits that the score is done by Danny Elfman. I noticed it in the opening credits, yes. I saw it in the opening. Isn't that weird? It it was not like a typical Elfman score. I mean, he's done other scores, but he's known for a certain kind of sound. It was not at all in this movie, no. This was so like Smokey and the Bandit Bandit (laughs) jaunty sort of tune. (laughs) I think I noticed that there was something weird of of his, yeah, of his score. This was the same year that he also did the score for, uh, 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 Scrooged and Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah, uh, Beetlejuice yeah. has such a distinct. Yeah, it, it, it does it sound like the same guy. I wasn't crazy. I didn't like it. Well, I was about to say there was nothing special about the the, the score. Really, I did like one thing about it: the sound, uh, the editing that he did. Like he would he composed in a way that uh, really punctuated certain scenes, like. Music would be playing, and then it would come to an abrupt stop, just as a character sort of turned around, and there would just be silence. I think that happened with Mosley on either the plane or the train, and I thought, oh, that's a really nice way to use the music to sort of make the scene more interesting. Um, but other than that, the music itself, I was like, eh. The music itself is like the movie; it, it's just there. Yeah, yeah. a little bit uh, uh, throwaway, disposable. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the word I wanted. This movie reminds me of the, some a movie that would play on like TNT or TBS like all the oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad would watch it every time, I'm sure. <laughs> well, it's funny, right? Because the two sequels following this, or three sequels following this, were all made for TV movies. Yeah, I, can, I see that. With Christopher McDonald, do you know him? You'd recognize his face if you saw it. Yeah, I, I recognize his face. So speaking of recognizable faces... Um, he didn't have very many lines, but did you recognize the second in command in the FBI? The kind of handsome guy that would always... I recognize him from several from things, including devious right? maid. Sorry, what? Sorry, go ahead, Fahad, what'd you say? Well, I was just saying I recognized him from devious maids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but also, um, um, he was the dad on My So-Called Life. Yes. Oh, him, um, yes. And uh, what, oh, there was a third thing I wrote down. Oh, Fahad, much more recently, he's Fred Micklin on Morning Show on Apple TV. Which one is that? So who, uh, I, I meant to look it up to, to make sure because I didn't want to misspeak, but he's the, um, he is the, the head of the company. that is. I was going to ask, is he the head, like the main guy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one who then they kind of mounted against. Yeah, you can kind of <laughs> see it now. I mean, he's much older in that, but you're well, like, 
But well, that's I, I saw him. I knew him from De- in, in Devious Maids, and he was just just a few years ago. So yeah, he was older. Yeah. <laughs> what was his name? Tom Irwin. Okay. Yeah, I recognized him immediately, but I could not pinpoint why I knew that face. And I think it's actually because of my so-called life. Because for some reason, even though that only lasted like one season, I remember those characters really well. And I, I, love wasn't, even, I wasn't even obsessed with the show. My best friend was, but I didn't even watch it religiously. But it had, it had like such a cultural impact. I was like, I remember all of those faces really well. Yeah, yeah. I love that show. And Jared Leto, that was like his first gig. I think. Uh, was that first time he had like a, a only gay character too? That was one of the first openly gay, especially yeah. teenagers, on on a on a you know a television show. Because I thought, yeah, so it is a very impactful moment in TV history. Mm. I've been thinking about rewatching that actually, just to see what it's like now. I understand <laughs> only one season. It seems like something that would be multiple seasons because it was it was I good. Yeah. I but I, I, I remember, I do remember Angela Chase, the Claire Danes character. I remember thinking that she was actually kind of annoying to me. I don't know. She seemed to bitch about everything. And I'm like, oh, listen. <laughs> yes, you're a teenager and things are so hard. <laughs> they still do that. They do that. And her mother was annoying on that show. Was she, she was. Her mom was so annoying. And her, I don't know, after that, her haircut she got. And I don't know. She just made funny expressions. And <laughs> it's like what is she doing <laughs> what was her uh aj langer's character the best friend was her name like ray lynn or something like ray, that ray, uh ray ray i don't remember i i loved her i wanted to be her i was like now she this was, i liked her too a reason to watch the show i'm gonna look it up because now it bothers me yeah look it up it's rain something ray rain i don't remember where is it oh that's not even the show <laughs> Yeah, it's her such... name is Ann. Yes, yeah, Ray-Ann. I love her. In yes, that show. yes, she was a very cool chick. She was fun. Do you know she uh, became a? Was it a duchess? She lives in a castle in Europe now with her husband for like a couple really? decades. She she left acting because she actually has. I'm probably I can't remember. She has some sort of condition. Maybe it's like multiple sclerosis or something like that. Um, that kind of it makes it um difficult for her to 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 work uh regularly so which is too bad because i really enjoyed her she's also in like uh possibly my favorite wes craven movie uh the people under the stairs and um i just really like her energy and so it's a shame that she hasn't been around for a while yeah how did she meet prince charming I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I, don't remember, I don't remember actually she has fibromyalgia Oh. fibromyalgia okay there yeah. should be i mean somebody should put together mixers for regular people who want to meet royalty and royalty who want to date commoners so make we that got all these <laughs> make that an app okay <laughs> did y'all see the tv show where um it was something like these guys were secretly in royalty or a prince or something from different countries and then they dated try to date americans and not tell them who they were and then how well or not well they did and stuff like that. It was pretty was interesting. A show or yeah, there was some kind of show. A reality show, you mean? Yeah, it was like this one guy. I think oh. he's Prince from um in the Middle East. There was a guy from Spain. Um there's another guy. Shoot, I can't remember. But anyways, um like how much worse or better or that they still did fine, but just without the title, some of them didn't do so well just because they're 
they don't interact well or unfortunately they weren't didn't take care of themselves as well too and i don't know <laughs> like they didn't get as much attention in the dating scene like because they wouldn't have uh, <laughs> yeah because they wouldn't have in a different situation and yeah um a good amount of americans just because i mean that there's definitely some where like well we don't care about that because you know we don't always care about the the royalty side and compared to like other i guess if it was something you were growing upon or around more so you might think oh that's extra cool or something but yeah okay um is it time to move on sure anything else anyone else wanted to well ruth you should ask is there anything else anyone else wants to say yes would anyone else have any last um thoughts or things they would like to share about the movie <laughs> i almost thought that the yafit kodo that who played the black agent was um kincaid on nightmare on elm street that's not kincaid is it no, Doc from Nightmare on Elm Street 6. Elm, oh, Elm Street that's what, okay. I yeah. heard Doc, but that was, had someone else in my mind. For some yeah, Kincaid from three and four, not him, no. Uh oh, gotcha. This would have been like a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Well, you know, a teenager. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So, wait, hold on. Hey, Ruth, here's your Okay. I'm having a hard time deciding what to rate this movie. I am too. I actually am too. I'm teetering a little bit. Ew, I can't decide. Mine isn't going to be very high, but I'm trying to think what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. We'll get there. We'll figure it out. Just do it right on, you know, on the call. But first we have. Yes. Okay. It's that time again for. Ba -ba -ba -ba! Recast. We close each episode with the recast game where we each play casting director and choose a different actor from any area, living or dead, to portray a character in the film instead. First up is Takia. Okay. Let's play up my I had two recasts here. Okay. Um no, greedy. <laughs> One. <laughs> well, the two main characters, you know, uh, Mardukas and Walsh were just so, you know, they were very main character. I kind of couldn't choose which, which, just which one I wanted to pick, so I picked both of them. Um, good. You're making chose, money. Yes. I chose Bob Odenkirk, who was better on Better Call Saul, um, as uh, Jack Walsh, because I saw him as a um, kind of a soft dad turned badass cop. And, um, some movie was like last year I saw in a nobody, <clears throat> nobody. Thank you, Eric. yeah. And he, <laughs> and he kicked butt. Like I was like, whoa. I'm so used to seeing him with his little weird nerdy hair slipped to the side as a you know little nerdy lawyer. And he like was his turned to his action figure, action hero. So I saw him as Robert De Niro's character. So I thought that'd be kind of cool. And then um, I saw Brian Cranston as uh, as um, Murdakis. Because I don't know, I like I like their both their chemistry and Breaking Bad, so I kind of put them into those roles uh, of, of the main characters. So I saw, um, yeah, Brian Cranston as as John. So I can see him kind of trying to be, you know, he he may be a villain, but he's good guy. I don't know. I saw, I saw him doing that role. So I those be really fun together. I think there'd be some chemistry. That's what else I was going because I like their chemistry and um yeah, and Breaking Bad so much. So those are my recasts. Okay. 
Shelly? Oh, um, I was just thinking, well, while Tequila's talking, there weren't very many women in this movie. Like even none of the policemen were even um, police. Well, there, was, there was one lady cop in the way back. I noticed Did her because she had amazing. One? I was just trying to imagine if I saw a single police woman, police officer that was a woman, which I now I didn't even think about that. It makes me not like the movie. <laughs> there goes your rating even lower right? <laughs> um so anyway so there uh, there was no possibility to recast a, i mean and i guess you could i could the oh ex-wife could have put a you woman could have. Gender you if could. i wanted to keep it the same there weren't many anyway I recast Robert De Niro's character i thought Jake Gyllenhaal would have made a good um cop turned bounty hunter i could see that especially now um the way he he's sort of grown into his looks a little bit he's starting to look a little more rugged like a mature yeah. man yeah 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 that'd be cool Alrighty, um eric okay i decided to recast all of the extras in the airport with everyone who's currently at dulles right now i thought that maybe <laughs> they would just I don't know. They would smoke less. That would be, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I actually decided that since the, the wife was kind of a throwaway character, um, I, I, I wanted to uh, cast her with somebody that might give it a little more oomph. And when I was watching it, she kind of reminded me a little bit of another actress. So I'm going to pick that actress to replace her. And that's Pam Dauber from uh, Mork and Mindy, she's Mindy, or Stay Tuned, which I know Fahad loves. I yes. hope you guys love that movie too. <laughs> Stay tuned, so good. So yeah, I love Pam Dauber. I think she has a great, um, great uh, sort of witty way to, to interact with people, especially men. She plays off men really well uh, and holds her own. So I think that she'd be good against Robert De Niro like that. Before the next person goes, sorry, I should have mentioned this before, but did people really smoke that much in the 80s? There was a lot of smoking that was happening. I Everybody do remember smoked. a lot of smoking. A lot of people in my family smoked. So, um, but even up until like the early 2000s, there, there wasn't a law in Missouri. So the first couple years that I went to like the gay bar that we had in town, the people smoked inside constantly. And I would walk out of that building every night with my eyes just like burning. I hated Worse. that too. Oh, it's in your hair and everything and you yeah. stink and wash my hair like three or four times and it wouldn't come out and yeah ugh. i was really happy when they changed all that yeah that's true okay fahad um so for my recast i think i did this last session as well um i went with looks um so jack walsh back back in the 80s robert de niro's character just the way he looked reminded me so much of an other actor now um and that's jason isaacs Oh, yeah, yeah. He looked a lot like him. At times, I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, and, you know, I recently watched the Harry Potter reunion, and he was one of the cast members they brought back to that they interviewed and stuff. Um, I mean, not at all when he plays Lucius Malfoy does not look the part at all. But Jason Isaacs is Jason Isaacs, I think, could pull this off. So that's who I would cast if we were to make a movie now. Jason Isaacs is Jason Isaacs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As Jack Walsh in Midnight Run. <laughs> exactly. Not Jason. Jason Isaacs is Lucius Malfoy. Yes, that would not work. <laughs> okay, cool. and so uh, mine was 
the guy he played Jimmy, he, I thought he was a good actor, but he didn't give the impression to me as like ultimate badass for like a lead, a lead as a mob. I don't know if y'all ever saw the movie A Bronx Tale, but um, the guy who's the main leader of the mob from that, um, his character's name was Sonny, and his name is Chaz Paul Pullman Pullman Terry. Paul Terry. Yeah, I yeah. Know. So I thought he would have been really good for that. Um, I liked him a lot as an actor. Yeah. I think there's a there's a whole pantheon of actors who always play like mafiosos that could have yeah. just interchangeably been put into this character. I think just because he had more of the alpha personality too. I, I don't know something about that. Who's in The Sopranos? Oh, he was oh, okay. <laughs> so um, on the subject of casting, just to uh, let you know, like there were they. I think they always knew that Robert De Niro was going to play Jack Walsh, but they um, had a lot of people that they were looking at to possibly play the Duke. And one of them was Cher. And I kind of really wish they had done that. <laughs> really? Wow. That would so be when cool. you, when, yeah, when you talked earlier, Fahad, about how we could gender swap, but we always forget to, I thought, I, I was like, oh, Cher could have been the Duke. And I think that might've been more fun for me. That would have been- It would have added a whole different element for sure. Yeah. I think they would have like been really funny together, yeah. Yeah, and she's good with the repartee, like a one-on, like one-on-one in movies with with a, especially with a guy. She's good with like throwing it back really hard at the person, and, and I think that makes it fun. So yeah, and even in the Sunny and Cher show, like she was really good at like yeah, back and forth. yeah, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> cool. Should we get to the scary point of doing the ratings? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Let me get my spreadsheet out so I can do um, the ratings on there too. I was just thinking like, I picked it because I, I saw this site and it was like f- some of the 50 best like mob movies. And then I um, see it and I'm just not as impressed as I hoped I was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ruth, when I was doing my research on what movie for us to do for my week, um, there was one list like the 50 best movies on Netflix from January, but Midnight Run, even though it's not on Netflix anymore, it was listed as one of the top ones. Yeah, I was excited about it. And then I just thought it was too long. And yeah. I was wrong. Chaz Palminteri was not in The Sopranos. I was getting a mix up with someone else. Sorry. Yeah. Take away your fan club card. (laughs) I guess all Italians look alike to you, Shelly. Wait, you are Italian. Oh, Shelly, do you know Chaz? It turned out he did get offered the role for Tony Soprano, and he turned uh, it down. Oh, well, that's good for James Gandolfini. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, he would not be famous. No. True. That would have been a cool, too, for him to be. No. James no. Gandolfini. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you guys know the drill. Get your chat box out. Type in your rating. I hope you've been able to determine it. And then, uh, of course, oh, Fahad's yeah. going to count us down. And on zero, you're going to hit enter. And then Shelly's going to read the results to Fahad so he can tell us the average. Yeah. Okay, so put your thumbs up when you've entered your score. I see everybody's thumbs are up. So I'm going to count. And when I get to zero, hit enter. Three, two, one, zero. Eric, we're back at the same ratings. Yes, we've done that so many times. What's our like percentage, like the share? Uh, uh, not, yeah. not the share, but you know, the share. 
We can check on the dashboard. All right, you ready for me to read them out? Yeah. Can and can, uh, can you also say the person with it? Eric, two point seven five. Okay, one second. Okay. Ruth three. Takia three. Ahad two point seven five, and me two point five. Okay, so the average for this movie is a 2.8. 28. That's oh, not terrible, considering. Huh? I That's said not a night run. Yeah, I mean. It wasn't awful. I mean, it wasn't awful. I mean, it was okay. I was just really excited about it, and then. I think no one absolutely loved it. I think that was. Yeah. I just you know what? There wasn't enough running, and also there wasn't enough midnight. So exactly. false advertising. In yeah. my I think my hopes were too high. <laughs> but you're you were right, Ruth. Like everywhere across the internet, you know, and this is a over 30-year-old movie, there's lots of glowing reviews and really high ratings. So yeah, I thought, oh, surely this is just it's gonna blow me away. Yeah. Um, it had moments, it had fun moments. It did. It just that's it, what I'm know. saying. It wasn't awful. Yeah, true. Well, I did like um another one I thought about doing with but I just I didn't do it was um the one with Robert De Niro and um the one I guess the dude from when Harry is it when Harry met Sally and then it's like um Billy he's Crystal? a psych, psychiatrist and then um oh my analyst I think is what it's called or something like that I thought the movie's hilarious or is it oh analyze this right analyze yeah. this or something I thought the movie's hilarious by the way, I just noticed two things on this poster that I had picked last uh, or two weeks ago. First of all, it's the French one, apparently. And the second thing is they, um, for some reason, they removed Robert De Niro's mole. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Bad that makes on him. <laughs> Par le réalisateur du flic de Beverly Hills, which I think is by the director of Beverly Hills Cop. Ooh. Well, you think it would have been funnier then? I know. I was actually thinking, I just recently watched this um, special on um, uh, 48 Hours, the Nick Nolte, uh, Eddie Murphy movie. Hmm. And uh, the, all the clips they were showing, I was like, I don't think I saw this when I was a kid, but it looks like it would be really fun, actually. And, and they are really, like, powerhouse acting in it, so. Oh, well, we gave this one a try. I'm happy we tried it. But guess what? It's time for an announcement. Yep. Okay, so for next week's movie, um, I hope more than three or the three or more of you all have not seen this before, but I decided to go with a different kind of movie than what I've been choosing for my selections, which are more recent movies. Um, I wanted to do something that I've always wanted to watch to just really understand what the whole hubbub, hubbub of this movie is. Um, so I went with a movie that was nominated nominated for an Academy Award, but did not win for Best Picture. Yet it is considered by many critics, many polls, many magazines and websites to be the greatest movie of all time. I so I have selected options. for our, I have selected for our movie Citizen Kane. Ah, I have seen it. 
Oh, darn it. Anybody else seen Citizen Kane? I don't, I don't think, think so. Nope, nope, nope. Yes, I'm happy to watch it again. Cool. So I want to see, is it the greatest movie of all time? <laughs> Did you guys watch um, uh, a Mank uh, that was nominated for Best Picture last year? No. Because uh, yeah. it, it is partly about, um, well, the writing of Citizen Kane. Oh. oh, and by the way, um, Citizen Kane is available on HBO Max. So if you do still have that, Ruth, you should be able to see it on there. Okay. Um, I do not, but um, I can see what else. Yeah, what else? yeah. if you get like a free trial to HBO Max, you should be able to see it. But I think because of all the critics raving about it, it's something worth us all seeing at some point. Yeah, for sure. I oh, yeah. So Pod's trying to get his uh, average rating up. Classic. <laughs> That's not why. I just wanted to do a movie that I feel like we all should add to our list of movies we've seen. I like that movie. Uh, no, this one in terms of everybody's like, talking. About it. <laughs> everyone's talking about it. It's terrific. <laughs> Takia, what did you say? And I was saying, how did you uh, of all the 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 more really well known movies. How would you know to pick this one in terms? Because you don't usually think about nineteen forties. So I was wondering how you. No, know. yeah. Um, I was just trying to think to myself, like, what are some of the? Well, my thought process was originally, I started with this one movie that's more recent in the last few years, and I did some more reading about it. And Stephen King raved about this movie and says it's very reminiscent of this other movie. This other movie became my number one option which took place, which was done in the 60s. And I was like, oh, that would be really good. But then I was like, I don't know, maybe. And then I was like, maybe I should really think of older classics. And I was like, what is a movie mm -hmm. I feel like I should have seen that I haven't seen? And this came right to mind. Okay, that's interesting, that's cool. I declare this episode of Old Fogies and Films concluded. Thanks for joining us for this mid-morning saunter. You can find us on Facebook and find our list on Letterboxd. Don't forget to leave a comment or a review. Everybody say bye. 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 I'm having a lot of difficulty right now finalizing which movie I want to pick. Huh. Um, okay. I have it down to two choices. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I'm going to ask you all if you'd prefer a movie from the 1940s or a movie from the 1960s. When <laughs> when is your movie? When is it? When is your podcast going to be released? What's it going to be related to? Oh, true. Um, like close to a holiday, or let uh, me check my calendar. Yeah, please go to the calendar. I don't think that Fahad's is actually going to yeah be related to anything. Um, That'll be February 23rd posted. Oh. President's Day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's right after President's Day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, does it star Ronald Reagan from the 40s? <laughs> oh, yeah. That could be good. <laughs> he wasn't in that many movies and they weren't very good. So. <laughs>